Welcome to Make the Grade with the success doctor, Stephen Green, where you'll discover actionable strategies to help your student to reach their academic goals, to excel at standardized testing, and to plan for the college admissions process painlessly. And now, here's your host, Dr. Stephen Green. Hello again, everyone. Steve Green. You are listening to the Make the Grade podcast. Any entrepreneurs out there? Anybody concerned about lead generation for your business? The power of using video, the web, graphic design, digital marketing? If so, sharpen your pencils, turn up the volume, and get excited because I have a fantastic guest today, Ted Lau. Ted is from Vancouver, beautiful Vancouver in Canada, Western Canada. As you know, I broadcast here from the East Coast, Philadelphia in the United States. Ted, how are you doing? I'm well, sir. How are you? Awesome. I am really happy to have you. Let me tell you the world a little bit about you. Ted Lau is the owner and CEO of Ballistic Arts. Founded way back in 2002. You don't look that old. You look like you're 20. You can't see oh. the gray hairs. Terrible zoom. <laughs> oh, is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all. Uh, <laughs> the list of guards is a high-touch, award-winning lead generation digital marketing agency. It focuses on lead online lead generation and brand awareness for North America's best-known brands, B2B professional service providing companies, and membership-based associations. Ballistic Arts has full divisions in lead generation, digital marketing, graphic design, video production, and web development. I can tell you a lot more about that, but let me just pause for a second. If I'm a business and I'm selling online, which I am, and a lot of people are, yeah. how important are the things I just mentioned? They're basically critical, especially yeah. in the day of, uh, you know, with, with, I guess, even with COVID uh, kind of dying down. But uh, the last couple of years, if you didn't have that, you basically shuttered your doors. Yeah. I mean, I was yeah. going to say on a scale of 10, and it's like a 12. <laughs> but, but I, here's I was trying not to use hyperbole, right? but yeah. So here's you, a, let's, you let me ask you a second question. Yeah. How many businesses are really good at doing it on their own? It's tough. I think a lot of businesses, you know, when we start our businesses, it's usually, you know, we're, we're the technician. We know something, mm -hmm. either we're a plumber, a baker, graphic designer, teacher, and mm -hmm. we, we do what we do. But, you know, sales isn't something that's taught in school. Marketing mm -hmm. is not something that's taught in school. So you do it on your own. You're going to have to pick up some books and, and learn. But eventually, uh, you know, you're going to have to, your time is not scalable, right? So you're going to have to figure out how to, how All to do roads it. roads lead to ballistic arts. That's the idea. Now, but I got to tell you, I work with a lot of businesses, uh, and small entrepreneurs who A, don't have the time, but maybe more importantly, don't really have the budget sometimes to truly do the digital piece properly and they get killed. I mean, they can't, it's hard to survive. Um, Ted's roster, listen to these clients he's got. Century 21, big real estate firm. Tim Hortons, you know, that's a huge restaurant firm. Van City, I assume that's something to do with Vancouver, C-SPAN, Paladin Security, <clears throat> B to Gold. I mean, it's, he marries compelling creative content with precision. Lead generation data, Ballistic Arts has successfully increased clients leads by 500%. It's pretty good. One of the top 100 digital agencies in the world. Man, you, 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 what are you doing on my show, man? You should be on like... Uh, you should be on a real podcast. No, um, man, I, I thought your show was pretty cool. So uh, I wanted to join. Education is something that uh, is there near and dear to my heart. So I wanted to hop on. Uh, and thanks for having me on the show. Uh, you, you're welcome. Let me just say, let me tell a little bit more about you real quick. He's the host of a national marketing podcast, which is called Marketing News Canada. 
Yeah. Hey. 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 Well, we're supposed uh, to say I don't. I don't think we do that as much yeah, anymore. I don't. That's the stereotype. I know. I shouldn't be that. Uh, he's interviewed former Bumble Bumble CMO Chelsea Kane McLean. Astronaut Colonel Chris Hadfield outbounced Chief Strategy Officer Tamara Gromisky, Blacktown influential founder Mark Harrison, and FreshBooks CMO Paul Cowan. Man, maybe Sorry. I can get on that list. Uh, he's an avid NFL fan. They don't even have a team in Canada, and he loves the NFL. Loves to cook plant-based meals. Man, we got that in common. See, I know Ted was a bro for another mo, and he lives with his wife and daughter. So, Ted, let me start with this. You're an entrepreneur, right? Mm-hmm. Is it an easy gig? Is that the is that the question? I think that's yeah, a rhetorical yeah, I mean, I question. There's no script it? here. Yeah, we got to get used <laughs> to that. There's no script. It's an easy gig. It's uh, you know, it's it's a fun gig, but I wouldn't say that it's a it's an easy gig. You know, you so, like, it's, yeah. What makes it tough? And, and get, just go where I'm going here. What might make it tough? Do you really know your audience? Okay. Do you really know how to reach them? Do you really know how to get to your client avatar? Do you really have a product that people want? I've worked with people that are trying to sell something, and frankly, you know what their biggest issue is? Nobody cares about what they're selling. You cannot sell. Ice cubes, Eskimos, right? I mean, or whatever, you know, you cannot, if people don't want what you have, or you cannot create a demand for what you have, you're dead in the water. Forget if you can't even market it. So you're an entrepreneur. When did you get into marketing? Is this something you had to teach yourself? Did you learn from masters? How'd you, how'd you do it? Tell well, us you about know, your entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, Stephen, great, great question. And and normally for us, it's 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 uh, we don't we don't say Eskimos up here. We say Inuit. And oh, uh, God, but I'm but sorry. absolutely no no. I'm, it's I'm all sorry good. for the cultural insensitivity. <laughs> it's, it's people. Totally no, I'm not, I'm not like that. I'm real. I love all. I love everybody. But I didn't. I didn't know. So I apologize. and uh, and no no no. But uh, you know the your question of you know was I into sales and marketing my whole life? I mean no. I you know grew up in the suburbs of Vancouver and really you know child of, of immigrants. And I think. The one thing that I did know was, you know, I, I think I always knew I was going to run my own show. You know, my mm-hmm. dad, he, he worked for the bank. Um, but other than that, my mom, her entire side of the family, they were all solopreneurs, proprietors. You know, my aunt ran a, a clothing business. Another aunt of mine had an import export business. Uh, my grandfather had a shoe business. So like they, these were all kind of, you know, my mom was a realtor. And so working for somebody, I think just wasn't in our DNA. Now, did I know how to sell and market? No, but I quickly realized that I don't have a whole lot of other talents than, you know, talking and talking to people and, and making people, you know, realize that, you know, they want to buy something. And so, you know, my very first job was actually not a, a legal job of, you know, in technical terms, I, I was, you know, immigrant child, we didn't have allowances growing up. Right. And mm-hmm. so my parents were like, well, if you want to buy those pair of shoes, you want to buy that Nintendo, you're going to have to you know, make your own money. I'm like, well, I'm like, I'm, I'm like a te- what kind young of parent teaches like, their le- lessons to their children to actually have to work for some. Right. I, I mean, what's going and, on in this world? What's going on? And so, so I, I begged <laughs> and pleaded to get, and we didn't have paper out or if my mom wouldn't get us, wouldn't let me get a paper out because, you know, they didn't think it was that safe. And then, you know, they have to like kind of hmm. walk along with them, walk along with me. And so uh, my mom got me a job as a telemarketer, the very really? first job. Now, how was, old she, were you? She, I was for 13 or 14. So the legal working age um, here in British Columbia in the province uh, is at the time was 15. So I wasn't legally Uh able to work. So my mother basically applied 
for me under her name. And oh, she got the job pretty sneaky. And, and it was for this <laughs> company called Fabricland. And Fabricland sells, you know, reams of fabric to old ladies who want to, you know, make sweaters and clothes and whatnot for whatever. And um, they were having their spring sale. And my job, they printed out this big stack of, of names on dot matrix paper. You remember dot matrix paper with the, yeah, it had the, the holes on, on the, the side. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so they would, they would print it in these little, little lines of, of, of mm-hmm. numbers. And, and it looked like the old numbers on scoreboards where it was like, that's exactly dots. What it was. right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I got a quarter for every phone call that I made. And so I had a script and I would read it and I would just leave voicemails. And I actually found I had a lot of fun. And I think maybe because cold calling to aunts and grandmas predominantly on that list. Mm-hmm. They were super friendly. I think a lot of them just wanted to talk to somebody. This is back in the, you know, the early nineties. And hmm. so I had a lot of fun just learning how to do that. Most people didn't really hang up on me. And then the subsequent jobs that I got afterwards were, you know, selling computers at Staples or selling sneakers at Foot Locker or something like that. And so it, it, I, I knew that I could talk to people, hmm. but I didn't actually learn to actually sell until I started my business. And I realized that, you know, running a business, like you said, the challenges of running a business is when, when you're a solopreneur, maybe you have like one or two people, you know, you're the mm-hmm. chief bottle washer. And so I had to go sell and then do the work, sell and do the work. But the thing is when you're selling, no one's doing the work. When you're doing the work, no one's selling. So I kept having these peaks and valleys, end up hiring a sales coach, um, And he got me to really kind of manage my time and really understand that it's not just about talking, but really understanding um, the pains that people have and Mm -hmm. how your product or your service can solve that pain. And that really has been the, that's sales stuff, basic sales stuff. But you know what you be, I'm sure you come across this a lot where I just get off a phone call right before this, where I got a mother almost in tears about a situation with their child. So it, is it a long and winding road from uh, telemarketing to sell cloth to being ballistic arts? Or was it kind of a linear next logical there step? There was no, I don't think it was all that linear. I think, well, maybe a little bit. Like So um, back in, in, I want to say high school, they had this program where you put they you punched in you know, back in the old computers like the DOS. They had these DOS programs where I punch. They'd, they'd ask you questions of like, you know, what are your personality traits and all this kind of stuff, and it would spit out, you know, this is possibly your career when you grow up. And one of the one of the careers was was graphic designer. And again, child of immigrants who don't know anything. Like it was just lawyer. Doctor, doctor, lawyer, that, that, those are the two options growing up as a Chinese kid, right? That that's your career. Mm. And so when graphic designers spat up and I'm like, dad, I want to be a graphic designer. My dad's just like, what is that? And no. Right. But lo and behold, I get a, <laughs> I get a little internship at a local paper where I got to design newspaper ads mm. on Corel draw. This is even before Adobe Corel pro. I remember Corel. And I, I remember being very infatuated with the fact that like, Hey, I can do some kind of quote unquote art. It wasn't a great art, but you know, something mm-hmm. where people actually paid for it and I can actually see it, you know, in physical form. Mm. And I thought that was really intriguing and really didn't think much of it. Cause my parents were like, really, you know, no, that's, this is not going to happen. Um, but you know, I got into university. I did a, a business and a comms degree 
I ended up finishing the comms part, not the business part. Cause I really didn't like the business part funny enough. Um, and I, I did digital video as a part of that, um, com- communications degree. And I come out of school. I was thinking I was going to be a documentary filmmaker, you know, Vancouver, Vancouver has a Hollywood North feel to it. I had many a friend that were like, Oh, dad, you got to finish school early. We're getting, we're making my hand over fist. You're, you're going to love it. A lot of parties, late hours. Great. 9-11 happens right after, right before I graduate, all jobs cease to exist in the film industry for about eight, 10 months. My friends that all were flush with cash all of a sudden had no jobs. Uh, so I just started freelancing and I, I met my former business, my former business partner uh, on an indie film shoot. And he was just like, Hey, um, we seem to work well together. Do you want to start a business? And my actual reaction was, Sure. How hard could it be? It was literally <laughs> the mantra. Yeah. How hard could it be? How so hard could it be? And I still, I think, I think there's a, a a little bit of, I don't know if you want to call it ignorance is bliss mentality when it comes to being entrepreneurs. Like, sure. How hard could it be? Even today, a lot of things of how I've done things is kind of got this mentality. Like, sure. How hard could it be? We started as a video production company back in the day mm-hmm. where DVDs were $15 a pop. We taped everything on like little mini DV tapes and then had to firewire this cable into a computer to edit it. I didn't know anybody because I was what, 21, 22, knocking on doors for mom and pa restaurants going, do you need a video? You know, hey guys. Do you need... And they're like, mm, no, I don't even have a TV in here. But hey, I noticed that you, you did your brochure. That's actually a really nice brochure. I actually need some new menus done. Can you, can you do that? And I'm like, uh, yes, yes, I can. They're like, how much? And I just, I don't know. I made it up on the spot again, thinking how hard could it be? Go back to the quote unquote office, which was the room above my parents' garage and tell my partner, I didn't sell any (laughs) video today, but we're making a menu and some brochures for a restaurant. Okay. And so we go do that. And again, you know, I think just the work ethic that I had growing up was, you know, you do it, uh, you do what you say you're going to do and you do it on time. So did it on budget on time, you know, word got around, Hey, these guys can do graphic design work. Oh yeah. Okay, cool. And so we get hired here and there. And then also another client goes, Hey, this, uh, this web thing, you know, like websites, like this fad, it's really not going away. Is it like, I'm like, no, I don't think it is. And so, well, Hey, you built one for yourself, right? You built your own website. Yeah. Can you build me one? <laughs> yes. Yes, we can. Hmm. And, well, how much was it? And I remember just, again, making a number on the spot and figuring it out. And then we kind of just ebb and flowed from there. We got into, in Vancouver, there's a, a big um, junior mining exploration industry here. And so I had a friend whose dad uh, was the CEO of a junior mining exploration group of companies. And so we did a lot of branding and, mm. and work for them. And it was great and flush with cash for a while. I remember I had this guy who was like, I raised $20 million, Ted, and I need you to do a brand and a website and all this kind of stuff in two weeks so I can you know raise more money to investors. I'm like, that's impossible. That's not going to happen. And you know this was the wild west of the time where Guy just pulled out his checkbook and he was like, how much do you need to make it happen? And I was like, what? And in my head, I knew kind of my number and I tripled it. And it was still probably at the end of the day, not enough because the guy was super demanding, but Hey, we did that job. We go get paid all good. And then the recession happens, right? So the recession happens and these companies that were like writing us blank checks. Yeah, so you're, were, you're now, talking like 2007, eight, nine. 28, yeah, 2008, yeah. 2009. And uh, recession's happening. Uh-oh, business is 
quickly drying up. These clients that were flush with cash are now owing us money and I'm chasing these guys down to get paid. And the, the last guy that I was chasing down, he's like, oh yeah, yeah, just come down to my office. And, oh, I'll write you the check. And it's been like two, three weeks by then. So, uh, you know, that he, he'd owe us money. So I go and get the check. Uh, and he's like, hey, Dad, you know, you do really good work. Give us a call on Monday. And, you know, we got more work for you. Like, all right, well, all I cared about was really just getting the cash in from the check and call on Monday and the phones didn't answer. No, (laughs) I have never heard from this guy ever again. So I don't know what happened. So then we had the 2010 Olympics in Vancouver and that really helped our economy from the real estate standpoint. You, you might've heard that Vancouver, I think Vancouver, New York, LA, maybe Toronto are probably uh, the four most expensive uh, in San Francisco, obviously. Uh, the, the most expensive places to un- unaffordable real estate, most expensive places to live. And so Vancouver started taking off with real estate development. And so we did a ton of real estate marketing for developers here uh, for probably a good decade. And then I bought out my partner three years ago. And again, I was trying to grow. Hey, so talking to my clients, trying to grow. What do you think we should do? You know, how, how can we help you? And I don't, I'm not sure I really just want to do creative anymore. What, what else do you need? And they're like, well, you know, we, we need social media, you know, why don't you help us with social media? And I was like, Oh my God, I need social media. Why would you want me to do social media? There's so many guys out there that so, do social media, just hire them. And he's like, well, you know what, Ted, you, you guys do a lot of great creative work, right? You, you're good at storytelling. You're good at creative. And a lot of the social media guys are, you know, they're really good at like the, the, the numbers and, you know, getting the likes, but I don't really know what they're doing. And I don't think it's actually helping anything. Right. And I'm like, okay, well, let me go and think about it, do some research. And so I go and talk to a bunch of my buddies that do SEO, that do, that do social media. And I kind of ask them like, well, so what do you do? And they're like, well, yeah, no, our job is to get people found on Google or, you know, get them more likes on, on Facebook and Instagram. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, well, I'm a small business owner. I'm cheap. If I'm paying people thousands of dollars a month, I'm like, so are you, are you getting them like any leads or sales? They're like, no, I'm like, I'm thinking like, I'm, if I'm paying someone thousands of dollars a month to do my marketing, it damn well, sorry, I don't think I should, darn well better. It's an an adult podcast. Oh, adult podcast. Uh, (laughs) Darn well better. Give me a return. Like, you know, if if not, this is not worth it. And so I kind of went away again, thinking how hard could it be? Approach these clients again. I'm like, hey, so if I got you these, like, what if I did your marketing? You paid me on a monthly retainer and I actually got you sales leads. And I had this one client that said, Ted, if you do that, I'll never leave you. I'm like, all right. So I go and stand up to my, you know, 20 some odd staff. And I'm like, Hey, this is the direction change for the company and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, you imagine that, you know, the entrepreneur standing up in the boardroom, rah, rah, making everybody feeling warm and fuzzy. And yeah, we're going to do this. That was the opposite Stephen, of what happened in my <laughs> reality, quit. right? They <laughs> all wanted to quit. I ended up proceeding having basically not quite a screaming match, but like confrontational conversations with my team. And within, I want to say 10 months of that, I had 80% turnover. I had actually thought I was going to like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to pay for these courses. You guys are going to do them. It's going to be happy and all that kind of stuff. Uh-uh. No one want to take the course. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to take the course, right? Like I know everyone knows how to use quote unquote Facebook and Insta, but like, how do you actually do it? So I took the course, the last um, assignment, the final assignment, 
you know, I, I did all this kind of stuff. And then I just uh, replaced my, the, the school logo with one of my clients' logo. I would go and present it to my client and go, hey, what do you think about this? Client's like, that's exactly what I need. I'm like, really? How much, how much do you think you'd pay for that? And the client throws me a number. I'm like, oh, funny you should say that. That's exactly how much I was going to charge. And that's how I started that department. And so the, hmm. the, you know, you asking me about, is it, uh, is there, was there any kind of linear plan? No, no, there wasn't, but it was a lot of trying to figure out how to help clients, how to grow. And I think I've done a lot of work on myself and, and thinking about, you know, what else I would have done in my life and, and really kind of boiled down to, it's not like, you know, yes, I do love marketing editing was my first love video editing, but it ultimately boiled down to that. I just didn't want to work for somebody, you know, and uh, I, I well, joke. Which is exactly the entrepreneurial journey. It is. It is. And I joke so that if, I'm if, certifiably if sh- unemployable, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, many entrepreneurs are because they, they're not good listeners. But uh, so if my short-term memory is right, you started out as marketing, kind of morphed into graphic design, then into web design, then into lead generation, then into social media, which all happen to be critically important to any business mm. entrepreneurs or otherwise um marketing it's it's a it's a it's a constantly evolving thing the mm. way people market now is different than 10 years ago it's way different than 40 or 50 years ago i actually somehow i, I was watching a, a, a documentary on some station about how commercials have evolved and in the old days, like in the 50s and 60s, when television was kind of just really getting um, national, the, the, the commercials were, were super dry. I mean, they were all factual, very conservative. Now it's, it's almost the opposite. It's almost like a shock thing. Like you mm-hmm. got to really like get somebody out of their uh, pattern interrupt, you know. What, what's your opinion on this, Ted? And by the way, this is my guest is Ted Lau. Ballistic Arts, an agency that provides graphic design, web development, video production, digital marketing in his 20th year. And uh, you're on the Make the Grade podcast listening to it. My goal here is to give you some information, help you to take some action to accelerate your journey to success. If you're an entrepreneur, if you're a student, you're hearing Ted's story. Ted, marketing, uh, it's changed. What do you think are the biggest paradigm shifts in marketing? And do you view it from the standpoint of marketing design, in other words, creating marketing for a company, or do you view it from the standpoint of how companies should be thinking about their um, brand awareness? Maybe, I don't know if that's the correct marketing term. I'm not a marketing Well, expert, you know what? Because it goes both directions, right? It's what well, you I was want people to say. think about you, but it's also what people do think about you. Well, I was going to say, like the, the short answer would have been both, but I think let's, let's start with, you know, I, I, I didn't invent advertising and marketing, but I can tell you that it's it's changed a lot. And I've I studied the history of advertising. Um, again, I have a, co- a communications degree, and studied how people consume um, information, how they consume communication, how they consume marketing. And so, how it all started is just a little quick history lesson. Is the the first bit of advertising actually came from Quaker Oats? You know the the Quaker with the the oatmeal. So it's based big around here. Yes. Right. And so the, the, they were, you know, oats, that's commodity, but the guy ended up the guys or whoever it was that started it just started putting up a little sign, you know, Quaker oats made by Quakers. And that little recognition went a long way. And over time you've seen, you know, 
branding like Coca-Cola that's been miraculous or McDonald's. Those are, those are brands that we all know, Nike with, you know, Michael Jordan and whatnot. Um, for a long time, advertising was one way. The, the theory was called the hyperdermic needle. So imagine, you know, like, here's my information. It's a needle and I inject it into your arm. Now you've received that information. And you're going to do what I kind of say. And so, you know, you remember like lucky cigarettes and all that kind of stuff or marble man. And they tell you it's smooth and you listen and that, that's it. So basically it's, it's sort of an authority voice and you're just, you're going lockstep with you're, you're going lockstep because back in the back then, you know, the only way that we as a society, as citizens got our communication was one way. It was either through the radio, through the newspaper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In other words, right. Not social media, television, right? right. There's no social media. And there was a lot of times there was not a whole lot of editorial content, especially when f- things first came out. Interesting. And when newspapers came on with editorial information, magazines, the proliferation that seems so of magazines. dated now, but I can, I understand in the context of the times, uh, it makes sense. So then that evolved into. That involved into broadcasting. So why they call it broadcasting is it broadly casts information to an audience. And, mm-hmm. you know, we joke uh, in, in school that, you know, a lot of basic TV, you know, especially in the eighties, growing up in the eighties. They were basically 30 minute commercials sandwiched with little commercials in between. If you think about like, I watched He-Man growing up or Ninja Turtles. It was literally a 30 minute or GI Joe's. My, you know, my sister watched, uh, was it Rainbow Bright? And they were basically 30 minute commercials selling this toy. And then sandwiched in between those, you know, episodes were other little commercials for Lego and all this other stuff. Now, you know, Mm -hmm. and so that's all the, the, the one way communication. And then, you know, with uh, social media, with what we call now what narrow casting, but like, you know, basically, you know, back in the day was when we grew up, it was like, I, you know, 13 channels at most. Right. And uh, now there's like 300 channels and still nothing on. I think that's the, the song by is it Bruce Springsteen that says, says that. Right. And so, um, <laughs> and, and so there was now a lot of options. So a lot of opportunity to, for you to have your specific interest, you know, and the echo chamber that we talk about in social media was actually starting to happen when there were uh, specialty channels, right? You now have the life network, the discovery channel, the science channel, whatever history channel. And so A&E did, did a really good job on that. The national geographic did a really good job on that. And so people started to find their own interests and then marketers would then start serving up that information that was specific to a particular demographic. Uh, and then it changed even more and fractured even more with, um, you know, Mark Zuckerberg and, and Facebook, it, obviously there was MySpace and whatnot, uh, before that, but you know, with YouTube, with Facebook, Google, in, in other uh, words, the, a two way communication. Yeah. So the then, then to engage directly and then Twitter. Yeah. All those, all those tools. Now, all of a sudden you as a consumer, I as a consumer have a voice. I can actually mm-hmm. say, Hey, this product is garbage. Or, you know, I did not have a good experience, you know, having the reviews gave power to the consumer. And so when user-generated content started coming on, we didn't really know how to handle it. We still don't as, as marketers for the most part, because you don't really know. It's kind of the wild, wild west still. Mm-hmm. Because you might, you might think that what I'm doing here is going to be, oh yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna go viral and it doesn't, or vice versa. You know, somebody does some little video, but somehow it tugs on the hearts and strings of folks. And then all of a sudden, here we go. There's a whole new sort of category within marketing, which, which uh, is like the influencer. 
Well, that was right? the next thing after yeah. that became the influencers. Yep. Yeah. So you now have got like a person who may have nothing to do with anything, but because they've got a big following, whether it's on whatever social media, TikTok, I don't know, Instagram, you name it, all of a sudden they're an expert in something just because they're an expert in it. Right. And it's like, if they say to do it, you know, a, a lot of times it's in things that don't necessarily affect me, but like fashion mm-hmm. or uh, music or maybe food. Um, you know, I don't think, I think people are a little more discerning, like, or maybe a car, but you know, you get these people who are like, you know, they're like fashionistas and like, oh, you know, everybody's wearing green this year. Green's the color of the year. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden everybody's wearing green because so-and-so who's a super influencer person in that little world saying it. And that, but that's just as um, compelling, I guess, in the marketing world as a commercial, right? I mean, so this, it's, this is the same reason that the Nikes, the world bring in the Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan become almost synonymous with Nike, maybe even more so than his basketball ability, because oh, yeah. they, Nike was such a powerful marketing force, and he was such a good basketball player that they, their synergy was was you know really tremendous. Forget the money that they made as a marketing lesson, you know. But, but it got to the point where obviously most people were never going to be able to play basketball, even close to Michael Jordan's level. So the closest way you could get to that was to buy the same shoes that he wore, right? It's all about the aspiration, right? And, and, and well, right, but that's of- the idea. Like, well, I may never be able to dunk a basketball from the foul line, but I can wear the same shoes as somebody who can do it. And, you know, like, and, and what he represents as a, as a human being and, and mm-hmm. the greatness and all that well, kind of there's, stuff, there's kind of what you that. want to emulate. Yeah. Right. And then, and, and I think that's a part of, of, of advertising. And I think that is that all that actually hasn't changed. Right. Like there's some, mm-hmm. there's the, a lot of the I medium agree. has changed. Right. So again, studying Marsh, uh, Marshall McLuhan. So Marshall McLuhan is a, is a, is kind of our godfather of our work in, in the communications field. And he had the saying called the medium is the message, right? And so he argued that why Nixon lost the election to Kennedy was not his ideas. It was the fact that Kennedy was, you know, the first president of the United States that was a candidate that was able to uh, be on camera and be photogenic. Nixon before that one, because he was able to dominate on the radio. And so each iteration, Obama, mm-hmm. you know, social media, and, and I guess subsequently, you know, Trump as well. So mm-hmm. those, the medium you have to understand so that you can then deliver your message in a way, because the medium again is the message, how you deliver it, how people use it. And we don't know. I think when people started the internet, they didn't expect, you know, to have a proliferation of, of cat videos no, or, no, or no, things like that, or no, influencers. Think, or no one ever taking thought pictures of, of their food. Or their exactly. Right. No one thought about that. No. Now, now when you asked me the previous question, you know, is it, do I look from it from a creative standpoint or do I look from a brand awareness standpoint? And, and, and the, I, the actual answer is you kind of have to look at it from a holistic standpoint. Now I know this is a bit more high level than someone, maybe your listeners who are entrepreneurs, you know, small no, business. I get a very intelligent audience. But I mean, I mean, just in terms of like, no, I, you know, know the, the, the breadth of work that you might be yeah. doing, but things yes. to consider is that like, there's an element of your brand, which as a small business owner myself, you know, I am for a lot of um, the time I, I am the brand, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got a nice logo and all that kind of stuff, but like people do business with people they like. And so I need to be able to live and but, breathe but, that brand. Ted, let me ask you this. And I got a couple, one more question. And then we're going to start wrapping yeah, this yeah. up. Does the, the oldest sales technique in the book is basically some variant of, I tell you, or an identify a problem you have. And then I give you a solution to fix it. Right. Mm-hmm. Ted, you got dirty clothes and here's detergent to clean them. 
or, hey, you're failing chemistry. I have a system to teach you chemistry. That's never really going to go away, right? I think all these things you're talking about are, are different ways to communicate that, different ways to, in, to elicit that emotional response in people, different ways to get people uh, fan. I mean, that's the, the big thing now. And, and I'm, you may have said this in a way that, but let me say in a different way is, you know, look, you know what the best thing for my business is? People who I've had good success with who promote for me, word of mouth, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They're telling their friends, they're telling their friends, they're telling their friends. I can't create that um, by any marketing plan. Yes, All you I can, can do actually. Is maybe I, no, actually, yes, you can. Yes, you All can. Right, well, that's even better. And we need to talk about that. But I mean, that's really ultimately, ultimately the idea of I got a problem and I need a solution. I got a flat mm-hmm. tire. I need to go to the tire store. I'm thirsty to go buy some water. My pen don't have ink. I got to go get a new pen. Um, I think that's kind of universal, but everything you're talking about, the the media as the message, the evolution of the sort of psychology of sales, which could probably be a college major, um, all that to me is very, very interesting. Let me ask you this. You you, you communicated an idea to me called empathy leadership. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm. Talk about that really quickly. And then we're going to, we're going to wrap this around and send you on your Murray way. Well, actually, there, if, you, if you guys ever listen to uh, the author, Brene Brown, she, she talks a lot about that, you know, dare to lead and, and whatnot. But I think mm-hmm. how I look at it is, you know, I've, I've had my business for 20 years. And when I started, I, I- Can you believe 20 years? I, 20 years is a long time. And, and when I, the mentors that I had were rougher and gruffer alpha male that were like, you know, you know shut up and do it or, or just, you know, you know, that kind of stuff. Like that mentality of just like, we're going to do it, you know, oh, just go balls to the wall or whatever like, the sayings like, are, right? I'm going to lead. And if you choose to follow, you can follow. Yeah. Stuff like that. And mm-hmm. um, it was a, a lot of tough love and stuff like that. I think um, for a particular type of employee, a particular type of um, person will, will embrace that. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the times and, and, and what I started to see is, you know, in my, in my growth as a leader, you can't always just be this hard men, you know, this, this, this hard and tough love kind of person. And, you know, like you're not a military sergeant. And so, um, mental health kind of is, is, well, mental health is a thing that we are now all big, talking big about. Now, very big, big athletes now, are yes. talking about, right. Naomi, uh, Osaka and, uh, and, and all those folks are, are talking about it. And these are, um, real things that ha- that, that affect everyday people. And before it would have been like, well, what's wrong with Steven? Because he's sad. Like, oh, come on. His life isn't that bad. Like that's not empathy. Right. But if we're able to, you know, show a little bit of humanity and vulnerability that, you know what, we don't have all the answers and we're all here on this earth for a limited amount of time. How can we help one another? I have found that that has actually been more powerful, um, in, in my leadership journey than, than the other tactics that I, and strategies, quote unquote, that I've used, I really, all I now doing is meeting my team where they're at. And if I can do that and help them, you know, uh, grow a little bit during their time at ballistic arts, um, I find that they will put well, in so more. So it's not enough to be a technically good leader. You also want to be a leader on kind of a personal level. Because well, people might be with you five years, 10 years or a month, but you want to be a better person when they leave than when they got there. That, that's basically it. You know, I, yeah. I, I'm in a, an, a very glamorous agent uh, industry 
where it's fairly transient. So people come and go all the time. I've had people stay, like you said, a couple of months to, you know, 10 years. Mm. Um, but more often than not, you know, the average shelf life of somebody that's on my team is 18 months to 36 months. And so that's not a very long time. And so by the time you get them coached up, they're moving on to your competitor. Exactly. <laughs> and I found that I've, well, not even competitor. I have lots of people, cause it's like I said, very transient, a lot of creative people, people going to their like do business. their music, try their mm-hmm. own thing. You know, they want to get into fashion now, or they want to get into esports, like all mm-hmm. sorts of different things. And you know what? That's okay. How do you feel about that though? Do you feel like a proud parent kind of cutting your little baby bird loose? Or do you feel like, oh, I, I gave you the best years of my life. I trained you up and now you're stabbing me in the back or no. It, you, so it... I think, I think in the past, I definitely thought the latter, like, wow, you know, we spent all this time and energy just, you know, and now here, yeah, just as you get good, you're, just you're, get, yeah. but, but now I think, you know, maybe I'm a little older, wiser, and maybe it's just, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know what it is, but I think I've had a lot of mentors and people kind of give me their time and space to grow. And I mm. kind of have used it as a pay it forward. And so gotcha. I can help. I've had, look, I've had a recently also over COVID and people talk about the great resignation. Mm. And I had a number of, I had, I had one person that was coaching in my team and they decided to go into esports. I had someone else who had, was a fundamental part of my business um, who decided they didn't, they realized over COVID, they didn't want to be in front of a computer for the rest of their lives. And I'm like, well, if that's the case, chances are this is not the field for you, right? Probably not. <laughs> but rather than making them wrong, rather than ostracizing them and kicking them out and you know, all the kind of stuff, I was like, look, that's great. It's really good that you know that. I run my own business. I know how to start a business. I'd be more than happy to give you coaching and slowly hmm. transition you out over six months. So by the end of 2021, you're going to be out and we're going to have a game plan so that you start your business and we can, you know, slowly transition someone else into your shoes. Actually, in fact, we ended up not replacing that role and, 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 and allowed us a longer trajectory to decide what is really mm. the right fit for our team now. And so that actually creates a closeness from a human being to another human being. And now we're, you know, still in touch and let it's me, not uh, going to be the case for everybody. Some people just come and go and they're like, thanks. You know, a lot of people that I coach are like, yeah, I don't hear from my well, there, there, There's but a difference okay. in people there for a paycheck versus a career. Hmm. Let me let me give you a really quick scenario of something I'm doing, and then we're gonna I'm gonna do something real quick, and then we're gonna be done. Uh, one of my uh, so I guess altruistic projects is is a legacy program I'm trying to set up in the education world, hmm. where we through funding and sometimes my own money provide scholarships to kids who might otherwise uh, not be able to get it. And I had them actually sign a contract. Uh, and, and one of the things, part of it is have skin in the game. I don't want to give a scholarship to a child who's going to quit after two months. Because some of these kids don't have the chops. They need to be coached up, tutored. But the biggest stipulation in there, and I talk about them, I say, make sure you understand this is, once you get through this program and you're successful, the only thank you I ever want is that you fund another person or two or five, whatever you can afford. Mm. And there's no money. There's no number there. It's not like it's a thousand. I know what I'm giving them the scholarship, but there's no number there. It's not a thousand, two thousand, ten thousand. It's just you are committing to the social contract. You're putting out there in the karma of the universe that when if this helps you, I'm telling you, I don't know, it's a year, ten years, a hundred years. You're gonna do the same thing for somebody else. 
And hopefully the programs I'm setting up now will still be in existence and they can plug me there or maybe it's something they start on their own and the legacy sort of unravels into different uh, unpeelings of the onion, so to speak. But I, that's something I kind of came up with in like a meditative dream, which is a little woo-woo. And I don't usually get woo-woo on this podcast, but it's really been powerful. La- in J- December was the first time that actually happened. I had somebody who had given a scholarship, graduated, uh, actually went into a business with somebody else who I'd worked with, but didn't go through the same program um, and just sponsored uh, two kids into the program. I mean, it's pretty cool. There's I mean, no financial reward to me that at all. I'm not asking for one. It's not about that, but it's super gratifying when that happens. And maybe that's something you you could kind of put together in your business in a, if, you, if it makes sense to you. Ted Lau from beautiful Vancouver, Canada. Uh, Ted, you want to play uh, everybody's favorite Make 3 podcast game? Yes, sir. A5. I don't know if you listen to one. Maybe this is a shock to you. Hey, here's what I'm going to do. It's like a Rorschach test. If you want to go way back into the yeah, yeah, all right. I am going to say something and you tell me your favorite thing in that whatever category that is. Okay. All right. Good. As a graph designer, this first one may be a little funky. Ready? This one's easy. Number one, okay. color. Black and Ooh. red. I need two. Black and red. Black and red. Yeah. I don't think anybody's ever said black. Some people don't even think of black as a color. A lot of people don't think black is a color. It's interesting. They think of it like as a blend of colors or something. Red. red That's why I say black and red. It's kind of my combo. So you're kind of a foodie guy, a little bit anyway. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Favorite food, favorite dessert. I'll give you two here. Here you can have two. Favorite food, plant-based food or This is your your world now. To cook, eat, I don't know, whatever. Jump out, throw out the window. What's your favorite food? I know it's a toughie in a world where there's so many options. I actually am really into this um, the Szechuan dish right now called Dandan noodles. It's literally just a whole thing of noodles with spicy peanut sauce, and uh, you know I put like plant based mince, but it's a lot of usually um, pork. Sort of like a, sort of like a ramen ish kind. It's of like thing. a ramen, but it's kind of a thicker sauce. It's kind of soupy with peanut sauce, and it's very heavy, very thick, tons of calories. You cook this yourself, or you? Just I make it myself it? all the time. Dang. Dessert right, when, when, would when be, I'm in Vancouver, you, you, you can make it for me. Yeah. Dessert about dessert? Would, you, dessert dessert would, you know what? I used to be a huge profiteroles guy. I'm into oh. black forest cake. Um, but lately, so we, we went out somewhere and um, I found a lint chocolate, 100% cacao, which you would think like, oh, that sounds disgusting. Sounds it's really, bitter. it's all, it's basically bitter. There's no sugar in it. It's all 100% cacao. Really good with red wine. Really good with scotch. <laughs> okay, so you're now you're pairing your food with your beverages. Yes, sir. I wasn't going to be on my list, but I mean, what's your beverage? Let's throw this in here since you brought it up. I'm a single malt guy. Single malt, um, okay. Probably the Brudlatic Port Charlotte 9. Is that like one of these like $700 bottles? Nah, it's, it's not cheap, but it's not 700 bucks. Okay. Well, not that you can't afford it, but... Uh, Man, so the malt and this uh, cacao cake, that's that's like uh, better than sex. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. That's, but that's hey, it's a kid's show. It's a kid's show, right? Better. So, I don't know. All right. Music. What kind of music you like? You're from the West, Northwest? I I am a huge Michael Franti friend. He is my number one favorite artist right now. Michael Franti. Nice. Travel. Favorite place you've been? We want to go back to Paris. We've been to Paris a couple of times. We want to go back to Paris. Um, 
We are going to Hawaii next, actually, not Paris. Yeah, not a bad list so far. Paris, Hawaii. um, My wife went to Paris on my honeymoon, by the way. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. So did we? That's why we went back. Many, many, many lunae ago. We we went to Paris for a honeymoon. Ten years later, we brought our daughter and did our ten-year wedding. Something we have in common. We are Paris exactly honeymoon uh, twins. Exactly. A destination for us that we haven't gone to that we do. What's your? Give me a bucket list thing here. Croatia and um, Greece. So um, Dubrovnik and um, uh, what did my wife say? San, San, Santorini. 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 That's, That's right. one of the more famous islands. Probably oh, the Amalfi Coast as well. Yeah. Oh. Hey, this is a, this might be a tricky one. This is the last one. Ready? All right. All right. Favorite podcast. Oh well, obviously I gotta say make the grade, <laughs> my friend. There you go. You are correct on that one. Do I got a ding ding? <laughs> Tell us real quick, Ted. I, I want to give some love to this. Tell us about your podcast. So Marketing News Canada. Podcasters got to help each other out, right? Absolutely. So Marketing News Canada is Canada's number one podcast for all things marketing, advertising, really? and communication. Yeah, we have a lot of followers. Um, we've had, uh, it was started by my friend, Darren Kovach. Uh, he owns a, another agency called um, Jelly Marketing. They do mostly PR and SEO. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he, he's had it for five years. He actually had a, a season on Amazon Prime. Which is a long time States. for a podcast. By the yeah. Way. And uh, he called me during the co- uh, during COVID and he was like, hey, um, you ever think of hosting a podcast? I'm like, no, no, I haven't. It's like, well, you know, I got 60 guests between now and October. This is back in May. And he's like, I got you know, four kids, my wife's doing her master's. I got two other businesses. I can't just do that, like help. So I got to help them and, and we've interviewed some great people. So co-founder of Netflix, um, Mark Randolph, uh, you know, Bumble, former no, you got, Bumble your, CMO. Your guest list is, is right. heavyweight. I mean, you got some good people on there. Absolutely. So do it's, they have it's, to be Canadian businesses? No, or? no, 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 no. It's just, it, it's the... I'll, I'll say this here. I'm not sure Darren's going to love the fact that I'm going to share you this little secret, but, but you know, um, marketing news Canada, why he wanted to do this from an advertising lens, advertisers lens, um, to get advertisers. Hey, Oh, well it's Canada. And so that's a, that's a segment of our buying persona. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll give you a few bucks. So it's actually been easier to attract advertisers by saying, you know, we're marketing news canada as opposed to just you know marketing news, marketing funny news vancouver or whatever or or he actually was trying to do north america but either way they they like the fact that it was segmented they had the advertisers but we yeah we have advertise we have um marketers from all over right um i interviewed um karina kogan the former um cmo of peloton right she's in new york and um we've interviewed you know i mean these are these are semi-household names Oh yeah, I mean, not the people per se, but the companies for sure. The companies for sure. We've interviewed um, the general manager of Uber uh, North America. I want to say I don't know hmm. if it's North America, or Canada, but either way, like we've interviewed a ton of different. I mean, folks. I, I don't know if I can promise it to you, but I, I know this guy that has an incredible education company. I might be able to get you, get him on your oh, podcast. Yeah. Maybe. Well, hey, we'll, depends, we'll, on, depends we'll, on the. Contract, I'll have your people call my people. We'll yeah, have out. your people call my people. And I'll, <laughs> I'll see if I can make it happen. Uh, Ted, anything we did not talk about that you want to get into really, really fast, and we're going to sign off. This is the Make the Great Podcast. Yes, I am sir. Steve Green, my guest, Ted Lau. 
I mean, I just arts.com. Ted, Ted, I'm going to give you the last word here. Yeah, no, I just want to thank you, Stephen, for um, your time today and, and your guests for listening. I think if anyone has, you know, questions, how do they or, reach you? How do they yeah, reach you? Uh, they can just find me on LinkedIn under my name, Ted Lau, uh, or LAU. just go to LAU or you go to ballisticarts.com. Our blog is there and it has a lot of useful tips and tricks for people who have questions about marketing that might not be able to, you know, hire an agency. Do, you, uh, do you do any like a consult? Like, let's say I'm a company. I don't know if I can afford you. Maybe I can, maybe I can't. Is there like a, you know, like, I don't know, half hour consult or sort of marketing analysis. Are you able to do that for people? Yeah, absolutely. If you just drop the name, you know, Hey, Steven green from make the great podcast. I heard you. And, and uh, you know, I want, uh, I want to, I want to just chat with there you. you. Absolutely. We'll, we'll make it, make it happen. Free consult, 30 minutes, an hour. It doesn't really matter. There you go. Hey, if, if you're listening to this, you don't see it. Ted's got a really cool background, which I assume he designed. Um, My team designed actually. Oh, yeah. It's pretty cool. It's really colorful. And, and um, I think it represents your stuff. Hey, we are going to wrap it up. Here's my, here's my ask. If you listen to this and you think this can help anybody share it, please. This podcast is all about information and getting the information to the right people to listen to, to help them. My goal is to impact as many people as I can to help them become better students, better entrepreneurs, better people. Like that story I told about the paying it forward. It's all about people helping people. And part of that is information. And I love it. Put some comments underneath in the chat. If you want, if you have questions, reach out to Ted. The guy is obviously brilliant. He has made it 20 years in the business. A lot of people don't last three months in. Trust me on that. So you got a, a really, really, really good resource here. Ted, thanks one last time. We're going to wrap this up and we will see everybody next time. Thanks, Stephen. You've been listening to Make the Grade with the success doctor, Stephen Green. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe. For more resources and support, please visit makethegrade.net.